Welcome back to It's Now or Never, a podcast about stuff and things with people and stuff and, you know, whatever. This is part two of our very roundabout discussion about whether or not you should have children. You, personally. You, Melissa. I'm tired. No, part two. But- Oh, what's that? You want a part three? You want this to be a very special three-part episode instead of a very special two-part episode? Yeah, that's what I thought. In this part, we'll talk to Caleb Benningfield, an old friend and ex-roommate who still speaks to me. We'll talk about whether the Marvel TV universe really is connected to the movies, conjecture about Donald Trump's narcissistic response to feelings of guilt, share wild ideas about the afterlife, and, yes, ask ourselves if it really makes sense to have children. Eventually. Not the two of us, not him and me. Okay, here goes the podcast. I used to be such a completionist about the MCU yeah. when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first came out, at least during their first season, and I feel like with their second season a bit, too, they were really pushing the whole, it's all connected, this is totally part of the same universe, this is totally <laughs> part of the, this is going on while the movies are going on, don't you believe me? <laughs> but they definitely gave up on that, like, especially, I think it was season three when they publicly announced that Inhumans are a thing, and now people yes. just start, like... Not mutating. Not, that's a different property. They don't <laughs> mutate, but they inhumanize or whatever. Yes. It's from an alien rock, therefore it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So you start having like world ender plots and nobody thinks, maybe we should call the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, so they just kind of like, I think they got written into a corner and they were like, all right, we're just going to do Inhumans now because we want to make an X-Men show, but we yeah. also... We'll just ignore it in the movies. Kevin Feige obviously doesn't give a shit about what's happening in the TV shows. Mm -hmm. And the scuttlebutt is that he hates the guy who's kind of running the Marvel TV division. Mm -hmm. So there's not really any chance that anything that happens in the TV shows will matter. Yeah. Some of them, like the the Defenders, are low-powered enough, generally, that they're not, like... And I'm never watching the Avengers going, it'd be really cool if Daredevil was here, because I'm never like, oh, it'd be really great if there was a deaf ninja. Like, we don't have lots of martial arts already, you know. So, you know, or not deaf, blind. Um, but then uh, the TV show is actually a little different, because some of their guys have pretty cool stuff. So every once in a while, yeah. I'm like, wouldn't Quake be kind of cool here? Hmm, no. Or, like, Ghost Rider is, like, actually pretty solid. Wouldn't it be really super badass if a flaming skull on a motorcycle, like, showed up right now and whipped Thanos? Like, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, not all of the Avengers are super OP, either. I mean, yeah. Thor, is, Thor is a god. Iron Man has awesome armor. Hulk is unstoppable. But, like, one of them is just a dude with robot wings. And yes. literally anyone could be wearing robot wings. How come they haven't given Hawkeye some robot wings? Don't you think that would yes. come in handy? He could do his <laughs> shitty bow and arrow stuff while he's in the air. The uh, m- m- the theory that I've been kind of running with here is is if they open the next one with him at, like, dinner with his family or some shit, and then the Thanos power wipes out his entire family, <laughs> and he's, like, just snaps, and then he, like, like the whole time is, like, this super, like, revenge, angry guy, like, give me back my family, because it's a great angle to play, and it would be, you know, and, they, and it would give him a really strong reason to show up. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I think it would be really awesome if somehow Hawkeye is the one who kills Thanos. I don't know how that would work. 
I mean, I don't either, but you could do something like it. You could have him, because it's kind of like, that's why Tony Stark or Batman or any of those guys are interesting, is because they're like us, so you can project yourself very easily onto them. And you're like, we're definitely not Tony Stark, but, you know, like, I feel at least closer to Hawkeye (laughs) than I am to Tony Stark. (laughs) He seems a little more attainable. Like, if I practiced really hard every day for a couple decades, I could be really good at at archery. (laughs) It's, just, it's entirely skill gap, which maybe is like a commentary on, on how we view wealth. But I'm like, I am far closer to being super good with a bow and arrow than I am to being a billionaire. <laughs> like, one of those two things seems achievable. Yeah. I keep thinking now about why is Tony Stark not giving everyone cool tech? Black Widow and Hawkeye and, for the most part, even Falcon. I mean, some of these guys are just, like, dudes who are good at punching or good at archery or something like that. But he has so many suits. Like, Mm -hmm. at the end of Avengers 3, he just, like, destroys a bunch of them on a whim. (laughs) Just like, well, this would be pretty cool if they all exploded right now, so let's do that. Uh, I'll just invent more later. I I I never run out of money. But he can't give... I mean, don't you think at some point Hawkeye has been like, hey man, can I have one of those suits? And what is he? Just like, no, these are my suits. I might need them later. Also, there's, like, nepotism in it. Like, he gave one of the suits away, but it's only to his best buddy, (laughs) Rhodey. He sort of stole one. Like, uh, in Iron Man 2, Rhodey was like, all right, Stark, you're being a dick. I'm going to put on this suit and beat you up. And then, you know what? I'm going to take it. This is the government suit now. (laughs) What's that? uh, that, There's, like, that confiscation law that's super sketchy. They make it into, like, a weird commentary of, like... So I wanted to, the one thing I was going to say, the uh, politics one that I wanted to bring up that I thought was fascinating, that report came out that said that, you know, the the final death toll of Hurricane Maria was about 3,000 oh, people. Yeah. And he's like, somehow that finally made it to him. And I, oh, it's fascinating because he's been lashing out and he's just going, this is fake. This is all just a big uh, thing against me. And, and, I, and I, was, I was thinking about it. And I, th- I think what we're actually seeing is... His super extreme narcissism version of guilt. But that's not how he processes that emotion. Instead of like, oh, I feel, you know, I screwed up here or I need to do something about it or I need to, to you know, react in a way that like reflects regret or desire to improve or compassion. He, he's His response to it is to like construct this big lie about, oh, it's a big conspiracy to make me look bad, and just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until he, like, believes it himself. And then once he believes it himself, he's effectively let himself go of that guilt. Yeah. I mean, not not to paint him too sympathetically, but, I mean, obviously with his level of narcissism, he's deeply wounded in some way, such that it's so important for him to be the best, you know, Mm -hmm. the best possible. His stakes are the best. He's the best president. (laughs) His crowd size was the biggest he can do no wrong his hands are a good size don't worry about it like to the point where he's even defending his dick size on national television like it's It's so important for people to just think the best of him he i just think yeah like you said he just can't register anything that wrong like that he had done anything that wrong or that he had let anything that wrong happen to, I think to like to let that actually sink in would just totally destroy his ego. So he just finds a way to shut it out and to live in an alternate reality. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it's kind of this fa- this very fascinating extreme. It, it, like, I, it actually makes me think that somewhere deep down, he doesn't actually like believe in the concept of of good. He thinks that everyone is lying. It's like a weird projected amplified imposter syndrome. He can walk probably walk into a room and genuinely go, "I'm the tallest person in this room," and then be standing directly next to somebody who's seven foot tall. But he just knows in his mind that as long as he never gets caught in a picture next to the seven foot tall guy, he can continue to say he's the tallest over and over and over and it doesn't matter and i think I, it's why i think he's actually probably not only not a not a billionaire i think he might actually be like if you tally it all up in more debt than he has money that would be crazy if it turns out he's been withholding his his tax reports because he's actually kind of poor or doesn't really have a lot of money I and mean, he's just super embarrassed about it yeah, I think it's, I mean, it almost seems at this point guaranteed to me, because I just, I mean, admittedly, like, this is where I get into things maybe I want to be true, because they make the whole shit show theme more, you know, palatable. Some of the more interesting recent stuff is, is it's like, this whole thing, like, no, he's as dumb as you think he is, in fact, he's probably stupider, and he's, it makes me, two parts, uh, one, you know, it's like, there's this vindication and finding like, okay, I'm not crazy. But then it also, it just went pendulums into this realization that not, maybe I'm not crazy, but there are tens, maybe, maybe more of Republican leaders who are so interested in their own power that they're willing to prop that up. Like it's like weekend at Bernie's. It is a full on weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. As a staunch leftist, I am happy in some ways that the GOP has continued to support him because it's looking like he's just going to take them all down with him. You know what I mean? And the longer they keep supporting him and defending him and sticking up for him, the worse it's going to be for the GOP in the long run. That's my hope. Yeah. I mean, I think originally I had this feeling that if they supported him, that it would be easy to brand them Trump Republicans and it would be potentially at least the temporary end of the Republican Party. Now, I think they've doubled down on it so hard that, yeah, they're, they're kind of of the opinion that either either they somehow figure out a way to land this plane and like get through the time with him and then maybe they can sweep it under the rug or it's 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 a crater where the Republican Party used to be. And maybe, you know, over time, those those voices don't go away, but they have to like reform or they become this. They go through like 12 years of barely being a party. I guess let me ask you this. Do you think that uh, Paul Ryan, because my general feeling is that Paul Ryan is retiring so that he can fade into private life for like a decade and then come back and run for president. Like that's my general theory. Like, do you think that, uh, you know, let's say that he, he leaves and then the next two years we litigate Trump, more, maybe more, and then 10 years after that, Paul Ryan comes back that he, through sheer manipulation, is able to run anything like a successful presidential campaign? Hmm. Maybe. I mean, it's really hard to say. I mean, a lot depends on how this is going to shake out. As much as I don't like Paul Ryan, he, he doesn't sound as much like an idiot when he talks um (laughs) (laughs) so so it's kind of it's kind of like like which is scarier trump or pence because i disagree with almost everything they both say but pence says it in a way that makes him sound like a somewhat intelligent human (laughs) being like he has basic like like the most base amount of uh critical thinking skills right (laughs) Or, or like, yeah, just the, the tiniest scrap of self-awareness enough to know 
maybe don't tweet stuff like this, maybe don't say stuff like this in public, maybe you should condemn Nazis, maybe that's a good thing to do. (laughs) Even if you're their favorite candidate, maybe it's not worth it to have the support of Nazis. But to me, that makes Pence scarier. Yeah. Welcome to Sad Times with Katie and Jeremy. I was always told like uh, your your relatives who have died are up in heaven, like smiling down on you. And even as a kid, when I didn't really have anything to hide, I was still like, <clears throat> "So like, can they see me poop? I mean, yeah, are they really watching me all the time? Is that actually a good thing? Do we really want that? The idea that like my dead grandpa is up there seeing what porn I watch is terrifying." <laughs> I hope it's like that. I hope it's like that. And then, because they, because you know they did some bad shit, right? I hope that what happens is like, you know, you get up there um, and then you get to see all of the dirty laundry, like all of the like quiet moments that you're ashamed of, like in your your family and they all see it. And then like, like throughout, they're just like, they don't, they don't, it's not like they remember, you know, put it in a little begrudging box to hold it against you later. It's just like we, like in heaven, one of the aspects of it is that nobody is like judgmental about our flaws or something. And so they're all just like, it's all laid out there in a way that would be traditionally very embarrassing. But, you know, your grandfather was definitely jerking it. And he was just sad that you have so much better porn. <laughs> That'd be great. Like, you die and you just get roasted. Like, the, f- the first thing <laughs> that happens, your family just roasts you. Yeah, it's like the, the scales thing where they do your way you're good against your bad and determine where you're going to go. But it's a okay. roast. <laughs> it's a roast and then like a laugh-a-meter, laugh-a-meter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna do the weirdest shit I can. That way, I can make sure I get a laugh before, you know, it, it, just in case that's the, the the mechanism that gets me through the gates. It's like a Pascal's wager situation. You don't know <laughs> that that is what happens, but you don't know that it's not, and so it's probably a good idea just to live life that way, just in case. Exactly. Yeah. I I always like to apply a little bit of like real world logic. So, like, what if heaven was a thing? And what if, like, we build eventually get complex enough AIs or whatever, like, to a point where we live long enough to become gods? Like, that's what we are. We're, like, some guy's aquarium. And so, like, once you get sufficiently advanced or once you you die out, like, that's what comes, you know, there's there's some sort of farming aspect to it where we're, they're farming more and more souls. And so then once you're out, you're kind of equals. And then, like, your grandmother's there and everybody else. And it's just, like, not magical at all. Like, it seems like it should be magical because you get to live forever and that's what God is. But then it's just equally (laughs) day-to-day. Like, Mm -hmm. you're still uncertain as hell all the time. And you're, like, you still have to, like, you know, like, there's an an ethereal body, but it's got its own aches and pains. It's just kind of boring. You still have to, like, go to a celestial cubicle to get stuff done. (laughs) You have a really innocuous day-to-day job so that you can go home and zone out staring at your aquariums of human life. (laughs) I keep thinking about, like, if civilization collapses, uh, because I still feel like, even in the most dire forecasts, like, unless we turn the Earth into Venus, I feel like probably some humans will survive. We're pretty scrappy. We've adapted to all kinds of conditions. So I just keep thinking about, like, if humans rebuild some new civilization or civilizations, and then just this massive data footprint that we are currently leaving behind, like far outweighing any anything that we have of any previous civilization, just enormous amounts of data on everything, and everyone is doing it. Everyone is leaving just dump trucks full of data constantly, 
they will have the clearest picture of what now is like imaginable. And I wonder what effect that'll have. And I mean, yeah, it like 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 they dig up some bones, but they also dig up a hard drive full of memes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's interesting because it's like part of me thinks that it would be such a clear picture it would paint very quickly mm-hmm. because we would have so much uh, data available for them that they would be like, okay, that's what history was and that's what people did. But they actually, you know, over time, the, the conclusion is that most of it's just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're just like, like, like when we look up old bones, we're fi- trying to figure out how humans evolved and there's maybe like at least a little bit of science that we're scraping out of it. And in this one, they're like, well, I'm watching season seven of Scrubs. It's pretty funny. <laughs> But, like, I don't really feel like it's adding to science very much. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get, like, four seasons into Friends and be like, wait a minute. I don't think these are real friends. <laughs> I kind of found, like, you know, no matter what form we exist in, if there is an option, I'm going to probably take that. If, even mm-hmm. if it's, like, me becoming stuck in some computer box somewhere. Like, it's one of those things that makes me hope that we actually figure out the whole, you know, computer upload mind thing. Like, I'd probably still take that over dying. I feel like most people would. Even if I just became like a wall clock over time, <laughs> like I could become, I, I become part of a like a permanent Reddit board <laughs> of just people who are all dead who just sit around and fuck with each other online for, <laughs> for all eternity. That'd be pretty crazy if if uh, software versions of human intelligences just sitting in computer boxes and then they outlive fleshy people. But yeah. like, if there's whole, uh, you know years and years of people's lives being lived out in simulated reality, but no one is around to maintain the situation anymore, so they're just kind of running <laughs> until they until something breaks down or they run out of electricity and there's nothing they can do about it. To be honest with you, like the whole we're in a simulation thing, plus the like like that's what I think that exact moment is what I go back to every time I hear, you know, uh, like this every time I look at the Twitter or Twitter or whatever the hell and go, "Wow, we've really jumped the shark i think about it like maybe we're in a simulation and no one's paying attention like the maintenance is just going out of whack and that's what's happened here like i genuinely look back and go like the large hadron collider thing i wonder if maybe like if if we're not in a simulation if that's what happened like there was some testing there and we actually like kicked it and so we're just kind of off a track and like yeah yeah, like just weirder and weirder shit's gonna keep happening we just keep accidentally bumping ourselves into weirder and weirder timelines I feel like there is still part of me that doesn't really believe that Trump is really president. Yeah. Like, I can sort of keep going by playing along with it, but ever since that fateful 2016 day, I've sort of just been like, no. I mean, not really, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, not really. Like, if he tried something that actually affected more lives directly, then someone would stop it, right? But but at the same time, it seems to be there. Like, I go to day to day, and every once in a while I get really frustrated at work, and I'll find myself going like, what the hell? Why am I even doing this? Like... (laughs) Like, why am I working on, on this? Like, why am I going to work every day on this? I should just go home. Like, because even if this is, like, what, what country am I contributing to now? <laughs> like, this is the best humanity could do? Yeah. I've been thinking about that. Because, like, this prevailing myth that has existed to power every civilization, that it's important to keep building the society, to keep, like, benefiting the society, to keep going forward, to strengthen your society, to defend your society. And every civilization is really built on this is, it's kind of like a living creature has to have a fear of death or some sort of, you know, desire not to die in order for that creature to, you know, continue to thrive and pass on its, its genes. 
Christians. So so societies kind of have that too, where 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 this foundational myth is baked in that the society is good is in, inherently good for the society to exist and to thrive and to grow. And I feel like this society is reaching a weird point where we're starting to question on a fairly wide scale in fairly mainstream circles if it really is good to keep powering this society, if it really is good to keep giving it your juice, you know, and your your lifeblood and to keep working to benefit this society. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. And that, that has like a strange effect on, I mean, like uh, suicide jokes are extremely common now. Mm-hmm. And this is weird. I mean... Yeah, suicide jokes are extremely common, and then the other one that I that, that brings to mind is the the constant meme of millennials are killing X industry. And I'm like, when I whenever they go, like they're like, oh, millennials are killing retail or malls. Millennials are killing malls. And I'm like, yeah, because we don't want to buy as much shit. Turns out we started to realize that we can do a lot of stuff, consume a ton of art without buying more shit, and like also you know economics have changed, so we want to use our money for different things. People want to buy more experiences than things. And so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, eventually we kind of like, I think we're questioning, you know, the point of contributing to all this so on such a wider level that you have more and more think, people thinking about, you know, how to work less and like, mm-hmm. you know, and like going like, oh, this whole thing about it, the virtues of hard work is kind of nah. like, why? Like, why is it virtuous? Like, I, I like doing things. Of course, I want to work and solve problems in some way, but contributing to some job I hate and being belittled or having to deal with like some corporate structure that sucks like that doesn't you know it doesn't hold water anymore and this like and and just telling me because that's what we do is that enough yeah I mean traditionally uh, human beings in pre-agricultural like hunter-gatherer band society contexts don't work as much I mean they, they 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 might like you know, go hunting or gather some stuff or, you know, make pottery or do some crafting and, and that kind of thing. But I mean, they didn't really have a Protestant work ethic from from what I can tell to the point where like Western colonial societies that are going around and, and conquering or enslaving or taking the land of uh, these other societies would would often write them write about them as being lazy like we have a lot of records of like these the, these native societies are lazy they don't want to work all the time bunch of lazy galoots uh, <laughs> so i was like yeah i i totally feel like right now we're kind of like asking ourselves wait a minute the protestant work ethic though but why like why are we why why is it just inherently good to just work for the sake of work like why is it inherently good to be really concerned about like pleasing your employer and you know helping your your employer's business thrive why is it inherently good to work hard if the thing that you're putting all your work into is not necessarily making the society better and may in fact be making it worse well, yeah, you know, we're not like uh, out there working hard to build our city and build a road and like help a neighbor. Like we're, we're we're like I go to work and I contribute my life energy day to day to helping companies send more effective emails to other companies. Like like that's not like it doesn't feel there's no tangibility to that where I'm like I am helping my community or something. I feel as though I'm kind of moving around imaginary numbers and zeros and and data in terms of actual production of something of use. That there's just none of it. 
I've thought about it enough to be able to say it out loud a little bit, but most people can tell that. Like, I think most people are just feeling that. Like, they just don't buy it. Like, they're disaffected. I think that that's pretty logical. Like, if you give me something I I, I believe in, I'm happy to, to dump tons of time and hours in there, right? But if it doesn't hold up to scrutiny, then I would much rather be spending it learning something or, uh, you know, just doing this kind of stuff, honestly. But, like, no one's going to pay me for that. The idea that that's somehow of less value or or you should, like, be ashamed to want more idle time or more leisure time or more time to explore your interests or educate yourself uh, and explore your own curiosities, that's just so absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that is being questioned more and more. I think the Protestant work ethic, which was sort of fundamental to the mythic foundation of America, is sort of being questioned and deconstructed. Oh, yeah. And at one point, those things had a logical basis, but now they don't. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people wind up just like, well, if I have kids, then it's just about like, well, I don't have to care whether I'm doing good for society or whether I'm making the country healthier or whether I'm making my fellow man have a better life. I'm focused on like feeding my kid and giving my kid the best life they can. So it's sort of like... Everything kind of uh, aligns to that, and all, all, all of your motivations sort of get rooted in that. And so I sort of get that, and I sort mm-hmm. of get having kids, I don't want to say as a way to kind of make your motivations make sense, but at the same time, we're over-consuming, we're depleting the Earth's resources, we're overproducing, we're overpopulated, and so if you're at a point where you kind of question the value of having kids... What else do you, <laughs> where's your motivation? Like, where's your motivation to really participate in society at that point? Oh, yeah. I find myself creating projects to work on, and that's fun, mm-hmm. and that's useful, and I, and I would like to spend time on that. But the, like, day-to-day, you know, back in, back I, when I first got out of high school, it was there was this feeling of wanting to be self-sufficient, and that was an interesting driver. And it was like, college, you need to get your grades so you can survive, so that you can make the money. And then you get out, and you're like, you, know, you need to get the better job so you can make more money, blah, 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 you know. And then there's just so, so much diminishing returns on it. And so kids become this interesting eventual method where you go like, like suddenly when you go, why am I at work all day? It's like, well, because I have this, you, you, you've created a being that does not have the ability to protect itself that you now get to protect. And that's your job. And you get this like feeling of providing for this thing and for this, you have to teach it and you have to set a good example. So you have to make better decisions. You have to make enough money so you can feed them and do all these things. And so they, they, they become like a, not only a purpose, but a purpose that if you neglect you are actively harming a human being (laughs) so it's like like it creates stakes (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know kids are very logical in my opinion and it makes sense that we would naturally want to produce offspring from an evolutionary perspective sure well i mean i have a lot of friends right now that i have prolonged conversations with that are kind of fun about like Oh man, I just, it's like there's so much work. I don't want to deal with that. And it's like, I just want to, you know, we'll, we'll be able to hang out as we get older. And I see that side too. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, day to day, I get to kind of enjoy more and I'll probably get to travel more and I'll get to do all these things. You know, like I'm going to New York for work next week. And like, I never even thought about it. Like, I was like, sure, I'll go. Why not? Like, what? Do I, I got a cat. I'm going to keep the cat fed. But that's about as far as it goes for me. Like, I don't have to worry about where I'm going to be or how. If I end up sleeping on a couch for a night, I'm not like, oh, my child is also sleeping on a couch for the night. Like, there's no restriction to it. And that's really freeing and interesting. And I think that, you know, so the idea of going that route is also very fun. And and, and so I kind of see both sides of it. I'm a little concerned that the people who don't think about that... <laughs> 
are, uh, you know, that we're going to idiocracy ourselves a little bit. Uh, by having all of the people who can't come up with a logical reason to have kids just stop having kids. <laughs> and yeah. then you only have people who are doing it because they thought they were supposed to, like exclusively. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a concern I hear. Uh, the, the, the kind of interesting counterpoint that, to, to that whole idea is, I think that some of the smartest people I know are the people who overcame things, right? Who were born into not great situations and showed some sort of strength as they grew past it, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know. And, and, and some of the best thinkers of our time are people that came, you know, from less and were presented with limitations and then they overcame those limitations. You know, there's this idea that, you know, if if you or I went out and, you know, ha- had some children, then it was like, oh, the, like the expectation is now high, right? Like, oh, well, you know, we, we believe that we're helping create smart kids or something like that and then like that kid now needs to be smarter is that the like that's a pressure that you're putting on this new kid we're like hey you know you got to help counterbalance the dumb kids which a is like just steeped in judgment and ego and b like (laughs) means that you're gonna like put a a, a pressure on your kid to be some sort of like counterbalance (laughs) here child now live your entire life to fulfill my agenda Well, but that's what so that's what kid that's so that's what kids do, right? Like they they rage against their parents. So it's like if my if the pressure that I put on them as a parent is to like be a, an achiever, then isn't there like punk rock just being like fuck you? I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna play Fortnite. <laughs> just have a little Gen X or 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 a shut in or something like that. The most punk rock thing you can do if you're raised in a, a middle class white family is do jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's those. Uh... I know in in Japan, I was hearing about this, there's like a rising trend of kids just kind of giving up, being like, no, I'm not going to get a job. I'm I'm not going to like move out of my parents' house. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do shit. I'm just going (laughs) to stay in the basement and play video games because fuck it. Like, yeah, because I can't come up with a particularly logical reason not to. Yeah. Like you're not explaining to me well enough why I should strive so hard to fit into the society where I'm probably not going to be happy. So, I don't Well, know. sure. Because if your goal is to feel, like, positive emotions, right, then, you know, you don't have to do drugs in order to fake that now. Like, mm-hmm. I think more so than ever before. Like, you know, I know that I like to go see movies a lot. Like, I like to isolate my senses and dive into a story. And most of the movies I like to watch are not real. And they have, they, they are not subject to the, to the unfortunate limitations of life right or or anything and so it's like like there's a you know it's escapism that's that's what you're escaping from you're escaping from the real world now escapism has become arguably as potent as heroin without the damage (laughs) like we were creating this ability to just sit back jacked in on like i can get on league of legends and the emotional highs i felt from a really good league of legends game and the emotional lows i felt from a really like bad streak of them is like this, you know, it's potent. And in the real world day to day, it starts to feel a little more gray because I'm just kind of like going to meetings or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, Stardew Valley is pretty dope. I, I can, I can sink <laughs> a lot of time into that. And I'm probably never going to be able to afford to buy a farm and to successfully farm and, to, you know, fit in with a cute little town of like a manageable number of people <laughs> that I can get to know really well and know when their birthdays are and stuff like that. It's probably not going to happen, but. You know, I can have this cute video game experience. That's what Stardew Valley is missing. It's missing super, super heavy pockets of, of like, sad poor people who just couldn't afford to live in the city. (laughs) (laughs) There is, like, one homeless dude who lives in a tent 
And um, I think I, pl- I play with Christine because they have a co-op mode now. And I-, I think I might be concerning her because I keep talking about like how great the homeless guy who lives in a tent is. And I'm like, this is my favorite dude. Look at him. He's having a good life. He doesn't need all this shit. She's like, why do you like the homeless guy so much? There's like a there's like a, a interactive cutscene where you catch him rummaging through someone's trash. And then he asks you like, uh, should I stop rummaging through trash? And the options are to either like shame him for it or tell him to get a job or to be like no i don't i don't i don't think what you're doing is wrong i'm like where's my option for like you should be rummaging through more trash where's my option that's like shit yeah dude like i'll join you you're that's called dumpster diving i'm into it how do i buy a tent to live in fuck this farm i'm sure you can make a mod for that anyway sorry it's kind of a tangent (laughs) it's probably about time to wrap up i guess so thanks so much for i mean it's great talking to you thanks for being on the podcast absolutely i always love hanging out and chat with you we can do this again sometime sounds good yeah all right later (laughs) later you kids learn anything? Yes. Well, unlearn it. This episode wasn't appropriate for children. Boo. Boo. Shut up. You're both fictitious. You cease to exist when this episode is over. Have fun in oblivion. Give my regards to season two of Firefly, you little brat. This episode featured vocal talent by Christine DeChavanich. Opening track was Cassette Thing by Blank and Kite. Transitions were Intrepid by Glass Boy. Closing track is Thousands of Animals by Miss Emma. Full credits and licensing details on it's now or never podcast.com. Hit us up on Twitter at now or nevercast or email heyfuckface at it's now or never podcast.com. The feedback I get most about this podcast is I want to talk back. So this Saturday, January 19th, Talon from episode 1 will be back for our first live video episode. We'll respond to any comments or questions or smart-ass remarks or criticisms or just mean things you might want to say while the show's going. No, I'm not going to respond to the mean things. Details will be posted on itsnoworneverpodcast.com or on Twitter at nowornevercast. I'm Jeremy. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you had a good time. Now get out there and make some babies. Or don't. Wait, what did we decide on? Please keep-